Thursday edition. Let's get it cranked up. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, a couple days away from Oklahoma, Texas, 11 a.m. on ABC. And again, our pregame show begins at 7 a.m. right here on the Ref Radio Network Saturday morning. All right, Parker Thune, give me a, a one-word emotion right now, one word as to how you are feeling right now on Thursday of Oklahoma, Texas week. <laughs> Cautiously optimistic? That's two. I mean, that's two. I mean, okay. Well, shoot, I got to condense that into one word. Um, shoot, there really isn't one word you can condense those two into, is there? I will give you mine right okay, now. Okay, give me yours. Dread. Dread? Yes. Boy, that's a, you're sounding I like ju- a boomer doomer I today, am, I know I am. I got to tell you, I feel like, uh, what was the movie? The book about the girl who had seven personalities, Sybil, back in the day. Say what? I, I feel like I've had like seven different personalities this week. I, I fluctuate. I don't know how you guys and ladies are feeling out there. Let us know on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. But, you know, one minute I'm like, man, this is Texas. Texas can find a way to Texas this up. Uh, at Oklahoma's the mentally tougher team in this series. They have the edge. They're the team that thinks they can find a way to win no matter what happens. Witness what happened last year. It was 28 to 7 Texas. It was 14 to nothing in the blink of an eye. And then I thought, well, is this team that mentally tough? We don't know yet. They're certainly not very disciplined, especially on defense. And then I talk myself into thinking if Dylan Gabriel plays, you know, and, and, and it becomes a little more accurate and the Sooner defense doesn't bust on every, you know, fourth or fifth play, it seems like, then Oklahoma can certainly take Texas down to the wire and possibly win the game. But uh, right now, probably for the next 10 minutes, it's a, it's a dread feel. I don't know. but And then it'll go back to, okay, eh, eh. we saw the Zapruder film. Dylan Gabriel was in it, right? Wearing a blue jersey at the indoor practice facility. Now, I'm going to say it, Steely. There are, and it's. I'm not just talking about this video, but there are a lot of signs that are starting to point towards Dylan Gabriel playing this Saturday. Unless this is total gamesmanship by OU. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's got to be a positive sign. You, you saw him out there. Again, wasn't in uniform or anything, but was kind of tossing the ball around on Monday evening. And then... Uh, Everybody, you know, it's amazing because he was in that video maybe for, what, like three frames or something, and everybody stopped on it, took the screenshot. There he is. So, I don't know. I'm 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 51% right now that Dylan Gabriel's playing. Now, I'm easily fooled. I'm very gullible. But where are you percentage-wise on Dylan Gabriel playing Saturday? I'm, I'm 51. I'm, I'm north of 50% at this point. Okay, so I would you're, say 60. You're 60, all 60% right. 60% that Dylan Gabriel plays, and – Oh, I just completely lost my train of thought. I was about to riff off one of the things you just said, and then, boop, it's gone. That's the type of day it is. It happens. It's It's been a weird OU Texas week because, well, when, again, the Sooners haven't uh, had another quarterback start in place of an injured guy since 2014, Cody Thomas, Trevor Knight, right? And we were just uh, talking. We, they, did, they did have one guy between then and now start in place of a suspended guy when Austin yeah. Kendall made that one start. Well, you had uh, you had Kyler for Baker for one series, right? 
That's also true. When they carried Baker's jersey out to the <laughs> midfield. Hey, the, the guy didn't die. He's still here. <laughs> Which was still crazy. But I don't know. It's just been a crazy week because, you know, you just don't know what kind of team that Oklahoma is going to be able to field Saturday. And even if, let's say somehow miraculously, because I don't think Billy Bowman's going to play. But let's say that Dylan Gabriel and Billy Bowman both play. Billy Bowman's been your best player on defense so far. Dylan Gabriel is your most important player on offense. Now, Marvin Mims is your best player on offense, but Dylan Gabriel, I think we saw the drop-off in the quarterbacks. And look, Dylan Gabriel was not very good last week against TCU before he got knocked out of the game. But again, it's just a weird week. There's so many unknowns in this game coming up on Saturday. Now, speaking of doom and gloom, Who is somebody who casts doom and gloom on Oklahoma quite a bit? Well, of course, it's Colin Cowherd, now joined by his buddy, Joel Klatz. Oklahoma's terrible. (laughs) I mean, oh, my God. They are terrible. I knew knew that that was exactly what Okay, okay, okay. So here's my thing. They're in trouble. This is my Nathaniel Hackett Denver Bronco thing. Oh, isn't that bad? I'm a a Bronco fan. Okay. Wolf. When you hire a coach, when you – your side of the ball – regresses Mm. you got a coordinator their defense i don't want to hear about having to play with my guys their tackling is terrible yeah there are blown assignments everywhere this is a mess they're 109th right now in passing defense oklahoma is and and the the reason i i'm concerned for them because of what you're talking about this is supposed to be brent venable's identity as the defensive side they're Missed assignments and blown coverages are not just small. They are wide. They are big. All right, that's part one. Colin Cowherd, Joel Clad. Now, Joel Clad, who in uh, in years gone by has been very good uh, and pretty optimistic about Oklahoma, but Clad was talking about maybe we shouldn't be totally surprised about what's going on with OU. This is what it comes down to. In the offseason and before the year, I, I said, listen, this might be a tough year for Oklahoma. They might have three or four losses. And OU fans were incensed. They may I mean, have they six. Could not, they could not fathom. Kansas Oklahoma. is good now. Kansas is good. That's a tough league. Colin, do you realize what they are missing from their previous run? They lost their head coach, who was their play caller. Brilliant. They lost two quarterbacks that were five-star quarterbacks. Gone. Um, they're, they're gone. They lost a running back that was a three-time, three years, different years, 1,000-yard rusher in Kennedy Brooks. He's, he's graduated. And Mario Williams. They lost four of their top five wide receivers. Woo. They lost their top uh, defender and tackler, tackles, sacks, TFLs and interceptions. Boom. And you can't just replace that because of the logo on the side of your helmet. Right. It's a great place. OU, I've defended you, and I will continue to defend you. There is only one Oklahoma. But right now, that is not a good football team. And Brent Venables knows it and has said as such. There you go. Now, what were we hearing a couple weeks ago? This is kind of like Sooner fans. They were feeling good. You know what? These are the same two guys just a couple weeks ago. Okay, I always see glass half full with Oklahoma football. <laughs> yeah, I, so oh I've, so I've said this. Everybody in Oklahoma just threw up in their Cheerios. George is the best team I've seen. Agreed. Oh, I test. My Agreed. dad was an optometrist. I test. I don't know what that has to do with it, but sure. Yeah. You vroom, vroom, let's go. X-ray eyes. Got it. Oklahoma's the second best football team I've seen. They are. They got power. They got speed. They're better on defense. There is a little edge to Brett Venables that maybe Lincoln, you know, he's a defensive guy. Yeah. 
I telling you, I test. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Uh, that narrative has flipped. I mean, Sooner fans, man, hand up right here. I I was pumping some sunshine, feeling good. And, you know, we were even saying, yeah, I know Nebraska stinks, but, man, they could have scored 100 on Nebraska. But guess what? It felt like TCU could have scored 100 on Oklahoma last week. And, by the way, those clips, those are ortho-central clips of the day. When injuries occur on Friday night, Ortho Central Saturday Energy Clinic is open each Saturday from 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. throughout the month of October. Free evaluations for high school athletic sports injuries. Ortho Central turning setbacks into comebacks. The question is, can the Sooners come back this weekend? And, uh, man, Parker, the thing is, you just – I've never seen – I don't think I've seen – and look, we sometimes we we say this guy the latest is the greatest or whatever. But I haven't seen a season flip like this in two weeks. And again, there's still season to be played. If Oklahoma miraculously somehow wins this game Saturday, you come back and beat Kansas. Guess what? Optimism's back, and you have a chance to go out and and maybe go nine and three or whatever. Maybe you know if they really, really, really turn it around, go ten and two. But I haven't seen a season flip in two weeks like this where it's just been, man, everything blew up, particularly on the defensive side of the football. We kind of thought that, man, Gabriel's missing too many of these open receivers. And this last week it got really bad. I hate to rag on the kid because, you know, obviously he, he got knocked out of the game. But I think we saw signs that that could be a problem, man. That could be a problem against better teams. And uh, it certainly was last week. But – I don't know. I'm still uh, I, I'm still in shock. I shouldn't be at this point, but I'm still in shock at what I've seen. The, the K-State game, again, K-State's had Oklahoma's number to an extent. K-State has been a tough matchup for OU. And, look, TCU may be a lot better than we expected. If they go to Kansas and win by a couple touchdowns this week, all right, we get it. Sonny Dykes is doing a good job. But the way Oklahoma lost that game was what had so many people down in the dumps. You know, if they go, even if they go to TCU and lose by a touchdown and they're competitive, Sooner fans are not happy. They're very disappointed. But I think they're just in shock at what happened still last last Saturday. And how can you not be? Yeah, it was absolutely. Even on the heels of that loss to Kansas State, it was out of nowhere. We hadn't seen Oklahoma get drubbed like that since 2014 when they lost to Baylor. Were they still playing at Floyd Casey Stadium back then? Was that the last game OU ever played there? Was that the uh, was was that the OU home game or was that in Baylor? I, no, I'm trying I don't to remember. remember. That, that was the Julian Wilson Mike Stoops blow up, right? Where yeah. they were lining up like 15 yards off Baylor receivers. Yeah, no, that, game, that game would have been in Norman. Yeah, I take it back. That's because they were afraid Baylor, Baylor had the Katie Cannon and I can't remember Coleman. I think uh, Terrence Williams. Yeah, all those speedsters at wide receiver, and it, it was an ugly day. And then guess what? Trevor Knight got knocked out of that game, too, right? Um, so, again, not only did Oklahoma lose the game, they got beat up physically. Uh, looks like, again, is Billy Bowman the one guy you're looking at that you, you just don't think is going to play? I'm not optimistic about that one. And that's and a problem. That, that hurts. That hurts if you're Oklahoma and you have to walk into this contest without Billy Bowman because you saw what a Sands-Billy-Bowman-Oklahoma secondary looked like last week. And it was not pretty. It was not good. It's quite obvious that 
as much of a drop-off as there is in talent between Dylan Gabriel and the rest of the quarterback room, there is a similar drop-off between Billy Bowman and anybody else that they could yep. put at his safety spot. Yep, that, that's worrisome for this weekend, no doubt. All right, let's get to an early break. We'll head right to the Air Comfort Solutions text line when we get back, 405-651-3439. And a thank you to Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems for – Sponsoring our first hour, 405-579-3113. Coming right back here on The Ref. Maybe, 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 you never know. It's Oklahoma, Texas. Maybe this Saturday will be a better day for the uh, Sooners than it was in Fort Worth last week. We'll see. Pre-game show begins at 7 a.m. Saturday morning right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We have Thursday night football tonight. The Colts at 1-2-1 playing 2-2 two two Denver. That is on, of course, Prime Video. We had some Wednesday night college football last night. UCF won pretty handily over uh, SMU 41-19. Uh, Major League Baseball wild card series begin uh, tomorrow. Phillies at Cardinals, Padres at the Mets, the Rays at the Guardians, Mariners at Toronto. Uh, exhibition basketball last night. Mavs beat Oklahoma City 98-96. No Luka, no Shea. Josh Giddy had a nice game. And tonight, the uh, Thunder hosting the Adelaide 36ers at the Paycom Center at 7 o'clock. And I thought the OU softball battle series, I watched a lot of that last night. I mean, that uh, maybe the number one team in the country playing like the number six team in the country in an intra-squad game last night, and you get to see Jordy Ball playing left field. She homered Haley Lee, the A&M transfer homered. Kirsten Deal looked good, the freshman pitcher. Alex DiRocco, the transfer from Michigan. Riley Boone had a nice game. Uh, and uh, caught a little Sooner women's softball last night uh, on ESPN Plus as well. You want to get right to the uh, text line? Sure. Let's see what the folks are saying. This listener says, without Bowman in the secondary, it'll be similar to what it was last year when DTY was out. Yeah, that was... Oh, and you think about what happened last year. Casey Thompson popped off for 448 yards and five touchdowns. DTY played one snap in that game. It was the first snap. Came up limping after trying to tackle Xavier Worthy on that 75-yard touchdown off the pop screen. And that was about all she wrote for the OU secondary on that day. Caleb Williams and the OU offense did just enough. And I mean just enough to be able to spark them to victory. But you there know, was, uh, and, and sometimes you get a little new wrinkle that really works for you in that game. Remember uh, Quint Griffin's six-touchdown game? Uh, Mule Shoe had a nice little wrinkle last year with that direct snap play to Kennedy Brooks. That worked time and time again, including the uh, the winning touchdown. Kyle and Broken Bow says, you know, in 73, Kiss was opening for Blue Oyster Colts. 
One year later to the day, man, Blue Oyster Cult was opening for Kiss. <laughs> Love the analogy. Oh, I like that. That's Love good the stuff. analogy. Uh, any chance we see more of RSJ, Jaden Rowe, and Gentry Williams this weekend? Asks one listener from the 918. Well, I'm not surprised that that question is coming from the 918. Uh, if Billy Bowman is indeed out, I think that certainly opens up a path to a lot more playing time for Robert Spears Jennings. Gentry Williams and Jaden Rowe, I, I don't know if there's as viable of a path for them to play substantially on Saturday, but if Bowman's down, man, you got to figure out an answer at safety, and the answer hasn't been Justin Broyles, it hasn't been Key Lawrence, it hasn't been Justin Harrington. At what point do you say, okay, let's see what we got in Robert Spears Jennings? Because, look, I'm a huge fan of RSJ. Have been for a long, long time. And he has the tools. He has what it takes to be a year one contributor. He's just, or has been, excuse me, he has been stuck behind a lot more experienced guys in the back end of that secondary. Trouble is, not a whole lot of those experienced guys have played like they've got a ton of experience as of yeah. late. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. 405-651-3439. That is the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line. And it's lit up already. Let's keep them coming in. Gunny of Stutzman Army asks, Good afternoon, gents. How does this beautiful weather affect recruiting? Tune in at 2 o'clock for more on that. Uh Everybody was fooled two weeks ago, says this listener. Competition has exposed them. I mean, to an extent, yes, to an extent. But they have also, you know, uh, you know, shot themselves in the foot so many times. Now, now some of that can be, you know, what the other team's doing. But some of these, when a guy, it's like Ted Roof said the other day. You know, we we don't have a defense that, that that we call that includes a guy running just absolutely wide open. So. Again, football IQ has not been good for OU. Particularly, it wasn't good against K-State, and it was brutal against TCU. Here's an interesting point on the text line. If OU loses the Texas, Kansas, and West Virginia games to finish with five losses last year, would the narrative be different today? The illusion that last year's team was a 10-win team is creating disappointment. And look, those aren't the only three games last year that could very easily have gone the other way. Yeah. But those are three that stick out. If not for a bad snap deep in OU territory in that West Virginia game, the Mountaineers maybe yeah, come away absolutely. with the road upset. Obviously, there are a million different ways that Texas game could have bounced the other direction. And Brent Venables called it an act of God that Oklahoma was able to survive Kansas last year. Which is kind of what Brent was saying in that, in that comment he made at the press conference. Like, man, you know, uh, I know they won Tenney last year, but, uh, you know, it could have been worse. But uh, think again, they also could have got it in the call in the end zone in Bedlam. And who knows what would have happened, right? So, you know, the bottom line is for Oklahoma, again, play more sound football and just don't – you cannot – kill your own cause with all these stupid uh, busts and, uh, you know, just basic defensive things. Look, you're going to get beat. Guess what? Xavier Worthy might beat an OU corner and even a safety for a touchdown. Same with Jordan Whittington, right? They've got good receivers. And then you throw Jatavion Sanders, the big tight end in the mix. He's going to be a problem as well. You know, if they make great athletic plays and beat you, that happens. But you can't have Xavier Worthy running 10 yards behind somebody and nobody there, right? That's the kind of stuff you can't have. And especially, I mean, if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play, 
uh, you know, you've you've got to you've got to try and ugly the game up, or I I don't know what the answer is. Is it trick plays? Is it gadgetry? New wrinkles? Bottom line is they can't play as fast if you don't have Dylan Gabriel either. I just don't think you can do that. And maybe that's how you know they've gotten out of rhythm on some plays. Because sometimes, Parker, you know, if you're if you're three and out and you're and you're three and out in forty five seconds and your defense is struggling, yeah, that doesn't that's happen. not good. There's a trickle down effect to be sure. Uh, this listener says Parker not being able to produce a fancy synonym for cautiously optimistic is the upset of the week. That that I was a little surprised because Parker. Is, <laughs> I got some uh, I got yeah. some suggestions. He's a word. He's a wordsmith. KJ said opticautious. <laughs> Another listener said cautionistic. <laughs> uh, uh, if OU loses with Dylan Gabriel Saturday, what is the panic meter at? So asks Spencer in Yukon. Man, I if it's not you know a hundred percent right now from a lot of Sooner fans, it's it'll get there, but. You know what? Um, I don't know. If Dylan Gabriel plays, again, he's got to be clearly – I mean, great analysis here, I know. He's got to be much more accurate <laughs> than he's been. So, you know, but the Way bo- better. But the bottom line is this. We saw what the gap was between Dylan and, you know, Davis Bevel. Um, you know, and look, Davis Bevel was thrown into a tough situation. He hadn't been getting, you know, a, a lot of snaps, obviously, uh, in practice, a lot of reps there. Maybe that will change things a little bit. Who knows? But I don't know. Um, you know, with with Bowman and Dylan Gabriel, I would feel pretty good if Oklahoma can cut out the the uh, nuclear mistakes they've been making on defense that they could go win this game. But um, I don't know. I just, I still, I can't get myself to have a good feeling about it. This listener, uh, see, we got eyes and ears everywhere, was in class today and overheard some players talking. Sounds like Billy Bowman is going to be out on Saturday. Not a surprise well, there. Yeah. We kind of thought, we talked about that in the first segment that we would be surprised, very surprised. We didn't think he would play. Scoopage live from Dale Hall. Billy Bowman will not play. It can happen, right? It can happen, I guess. Uh, this listener says he can't pass at all from what I've seen. Is that in reference to Bevel or Gabriel? Maybe both. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, Gabri- Gabriel can certainly pass. Jury's out on Bevel. Yeah. Uh, can RSJ play opposite Bowman when Bowman comes back, asks one listener. I mean, look, that that's the, that's the issue, and that's the issue that I feel like we haven't talked about with this defense. Even before Billy Bowman was banged up, there was no clear answer as to who was the guy at the other safety position. It was a revolving door. Key Lawrence, Justin Broyles, Damon Harmon, who's obviously now going to be out for a while uh, with that neck-back injury. So, right now you are depleted at safety. I mean, thoroughly depleted. And if Billy Bowman doesn't play on Saturday, man... And I know I said this before. I know I said this earlier in the week about other positions, but I think it's especially true of safety. Look, you just got to put your best athletes out there, and you just got to let them go. To me, that's Robert Spears Jennings, and that's probably Key Lawrence. That's how I see it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, 405-651-3439. We'll take a quick break. Uh, We'll get to as many texts as we can. We're going to talk about the Longhorns with uh, Longhorn insider Sean Clinch coming up next. What is the mood down in Austin, Texas? A seven-point favorite against Oklahoma coming up this weekend in the Cotton Bowl. Our pregame Saturday at 7 a.m. right here on The Ref. We're coming right back.
We are not trying to be the panic station people, I promise you. We're not. All right, welcome back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon. Sean Clinch, Longhorn Insider, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline today. And, uh, Sean, man, Texas is a two-loss team. Oklahoma is a two-loss team. But it feels a lot different, I think, uh, maybe for each (laughs) side coming into this game. Texas coming off a nice win over West Virginia and, you know, played Alabama. Had a great chance to win that game. Looks like Quinn Ewers is going to be back. Obviously, this weekend could start. We'll see. But what is the mood down there in Austin? Because uh, in Oklahoma, there's there's not a lot of uh, not a ton of optimism right now. <laughs> well, down here, if you were to gauge what it feels like from you guys, it sounds like the sky is about six inches above the ground in Norman, Oklahoma. That's what it. The impression I get. I, I'll say I'll say this, and this is what I said on the the podcast with uh, on mine stories inside the man cave. People need to lay off of Brent Venables. Um, he's got dudes there. They're depleted. The ghost of Lincoln Riley and his brother at TCU continues to haunt Oklahoma. Give Brent Venables time. It's it's OU is has not gone anywhere. But as far as the mood here, I think this is the best mood for a Texas fan base going into an OU game that I've felt probably since 2013. I, I, that was Max's last go-round when he upset Oklahoma. Um, I, I just feel like you, you actually see a semblance of defensive improvement from Lubbock. That was, there was no defense. Uh, zero pass rush, of course, 100 plays on the field. Anyone's going to be gassed, but uh, against West Virginia, Texas defense looked pretty good, except for that fourth quarter and then early third quarter. But all in all, this is the best mood that I felt for a Texas fan base going to Dallas. At what point does confidence start to verge on overconfidence, Sean? And are you getting that sense at all? I feel like not overconfidence. I still feel like the same thing that's plagued Texas for 12-plus years, and that is waiting waiting on somebody to take the reins of leadership, if that makes sense. Uh, maybe I'm digging too deep into describing it, but it, uh, it feels like the leadership is kind of rising. It's what Sar- I know it's only a second year. That group has said leadership needs to step up and play loose instead of thinking while playing. You guys got to flip the script here. It's time. And I think this group of players, you're starting to see – a group, not just one or two, but a group on both sides of the ball. And they're doing it with a backup quarterback so far. So Sark was asked, you know, what are you going to do at quarterback during his press conference? And he basically said, you know, I'm going to put the one out there who gives us the best uh, and puts us in the best position (laughs) to win the football game. And, you know, maybe a little bit gamesmanship. And we don't know what's going on with Dylan Gabriel. He's been in a blue jersey, cited on the Zapruder film that was released last (laughs) night, you know. But, uh, I mean, that's Quinn Ewers, though, right, for Texas this Saturday? Wouldn't you think it's Quinn Ewers? I would hope so. But uh, for Hudson Card, tremendous job that he's done since, you know, stepping in and getting to Alabama to UT San Antonio. He's learned a lot. He looks loose. He looks like he's 
proficient with this offense, this plays loose and, 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 and a leader. And the best guy that gives him the best chance, I know that kind of read between the lines. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. You'd like to think they're going to roll um, Quinn Ewers out there. I mean, it's this was kind of the week that they thought when that injury happened against Alabama that this would be the week that he would return. Now, what is that? I just don't know. I mean, is he healthy enough? This is the most closed, vested group as far as injuries and discussing it. And I know HIPAA and all that, but usually coaches will give you a better report um, or talk about it than this group has as far as injuries go. As you look ahead to what this game could bring Saturday, Sean, if Dylan Gabriel is unable to go for Oklahoma, and of course uh, you talked about how close to the vest the Texas staff and sources around the program have kept things regarding your status, it's much the same up here with Dylan Gabriel. So in a world where Dylan Gabriel doesn't take the snaps for Oklahoma on Saturday, is there any possibility that the Sooners even keep this game close? Uh, So... You guys, let's take the three of us collectively. We've seen enough of these games to know that crazy things happen. Expect the unexpected. It's unpredictable. But to truly answer your question, I promise you I'm not trying to evade it. If if it's not Gabriel, and I know there's talented quarterbacks in their roster, but they're, I don't know if they're ready. But I will say this, Texas will – in the house as far as blitz packages, whatnot, that you haven't seen all year. What I mean by that is I think this Texas defense has been very basic. Um, they did not – there's nothing exotic they've really called against their prior opponents. You know, West Virginia a little bit. Tech, it was kind of basic. Saving it for this game, in my opinion. So, to answer your question, I think the outcome of this game is of equal importance like a loss for either team, the season goes south in a hurry, especially for Oklahoma. But it would not surprise me if OU finds a way, finds a way to win this game. But I also wouldn't be shocked if Texas wins by 30. Yeah, it's, it's, never, it's that kind of Saturday, isn't it? I mean, it, it feels that way. You're right. I mean, you just feel like, well, Oklahoma, they'll play it close. I mean, these games, you know, it's Vegas has it at seven, which is actually kind of a big number for OU Texas. But yeah. I can remember bigger spreads, and I can remember you you referenced 2013, and that was Case McCoy. We were talking about this before we came on the show. And then 2015, it was uh, Jared Hurd and uh, Swoops, right, <laughs> swooping in. Yeah, and- for the win. So, yeah, crazy things have happened. Was carted off. That's right. Okay, so I'm curious to know. Obviously, Texas fans are never going to feel sorry for Oklahoma and vice versa. But what, is, what have the Texas fans been saying about where Oklahoma was after the Nebraska game to where Oklahoma is now? Is it disbelief? I, I know they're enjoying it, but what, what, what are you hearing from Texas fans about, man, this so, last two weeks about OU? Yeah, this is, I think, shock and awe. <laughs> um, listen, I picked Kansas State to be a part of the mix this year at some point. That that Tulane, you know, when, when they lost to Tulane was shocked me. I love Deuce Fawn. I know he's a local kid down here, great family. Um, but as far as I, – I, I think we all could have – and I'm guilty of this. I am tr- It's not that I drank any Kool-Aid 
for OU, but I, I thought that they would not be in this position. But it would, it, if you look at the roster and what happened, that roster was, and it's not void of talent. There's always going to be talent there. But the roster indicated differently. We, we, we could have seen this coming, not to this level, but even the Nebraska game, because there was that Casey Thompson tie-in with Texas, and obviously being a native of Oklahoma, um, I think we saw Nebraska is not very good. And for Oklahoma to have to somewhat rally to win that game, um, I think there were some indications there. But I think the people here who are logical fans, because OU and Texas fans are very similar, high expectations, kind of not logical thinking as far as when losses happen, especially Texas fans. Um, I think that it, the people are just thinking, wow, wow, Brent Venables, is, uh, he's got a rebuilding job. Can he flip it in one week? This is a game that can really change the trajectory of confidence. On the Texas side, Sean, you look at this game this weekend, and let's say Oklahoma comes out and scores the upset. Let's say they get the win Saturday. How much do you worry about things unraveling after that point for Texas? Because you think about the way that they rolled into that game last year. They're 4-1 and one <laughs> heading into the Red River Showdown. They get up 28-7, to seven, and man, from then on out, oh. Everything crashed and burned, not just that day, but for the remainder of the month of October and on into the month of November. Do you worry about there being a similar chain reaction effect in 2022 if this game doesn't go the Longhorns' way? Brother, I do. And and I'll preface this by saying, do not leave your seat with five minutes to go to halftime to go get a beer in the concession line. I was there the entire halftime, missed the OU storming back, got back to my seat to a very quiet section. <laughs> that beer is not worth waiting in line that long, by the way. The Cotton Bowl concessions really suck in that matter, by the way. Um, just had to get that out of the way. But it's to answer that part, I, I really think I, I just had this conversation. Imagine if Texas loses by one point to Oklahoma in the situation that their scenario they're going in, I think the fan base will come unraveled to an extent. Not to the things of saying to the point of fire, Sark, that's not going to happen. Nobody's going to get fired. But you may lose the fan base if this team loses by any amount of margin being one point. Losing to Oklahoma, I think people are fed up. OU's won four straight. This is the time to flip it and change the direction of this series. Because we know this series is very streaky. There's no doubt about it. But let's, let's be honest here. The 21st century, OU's dominated this series. I think it's, you want to include the Big 12 championship from 2018, they won 16 of 23. This fan base is exhausted. They, are, they have zero tolerance for losing to Oklahoma anymore. It, it's, you've got to win, and the time is now. No more excuses. That's the, that's the attitude that I receive. Clincher, great stuff. We appreciate you, my man. Enjoy the game this weekend. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. Hey, wax cup beers. Let's go. There you go. Sean Clinch headed down to Dallas for OU Texas Saturday morning. By the way, Riverwind Casino has a great, great, great 
situation for you the night before Bedlam? You guys that have been out to the Beats and Bites shows in the summer, you know, we've had Cheap Trick and uh, Starship and Night Ranger and Everclear, Living Color, a lot of great bands out there recently. And on Friday night, November 18th, Outdoors at Riverwind, it'll be Beats and Bites Bedlam style. The Bedlam edition of Beats and Bites, the night before Bedlam and Norman, the next day on that uh, November 19th, Saturday. And again, you will have Wade Bowen on the stage at 6.30, the Eli Young Band at 8.30, all the incredible food trucks, great outdoor atmosphere. Get your tickets at the box office or get them online at riverwind.com. They're only 5 bucks a piece. So, Bedlam Beats and Bites, Friday night, November 18th, again with Wade Bowen up first, and then the Eli Young Band uh, at 8.30 at night. Should be a heck of a time, and uh, you know it always is if you've been out to one of the Beats and Bites shows at Riverwind Casino. Another reason why Riverwind is simply the best. Break time right here. We'll get as many texts in to wrap up hour number one next, right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Here he is, Mr. Mojo Ryzen, James Douglas Morrison. Sooners need some mojo Saturday down in Dallas. Can they break on through? Can they do it? We'll find out. Oklahoma seven-point underdog against uh, the Longhorns coming up. Saturday, 11 a.m. in the Cotton Bowl. All right, Air Comfort Solutions text line is buzzing as usual. It will not stop. It just won't stop. 405-651-3439. Let's get there. Next hour, Jesse Crittenden will join us on the Riverwind Casino hotline. That will be coming up uh, again at 135, um, mainly OU Texas talk. That's a, what, what else is there? I think that all of these boomer doomers are more like boomer tumors because they are not good for the program and should not be able to celebrate the Sooner success in the future with BV. That comes from a listener in area code 715. Where is 715? Do we I have know? no idea. I'll go ahead and Google it up. Um, well, look, every fan base where football is king is going to have their share of those kind of fans. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time since I was 19 years old, and guess what? It, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed, and it won't change because human beings are like that. You know, some people, uh, it, it might be somewhat even therapeutic for them to lash out or whatever, but it's just the nature of the deal, man. Texas, I'm sure Texas has their share, Alabama, Ohio State, all the Blue Bloods, you know, have those. And even, you know, the, the not-so-great programs uh, probably have their share as well. 
Um, you know, and it's very hard to be optimistic about what you've seen the last couple of weeks, particularly the TCU game. So I get it, and, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But the Boomer Doomers, they're, they're, they're getting stronger. And uh, if OU continues to play defense like that, man, their numbers will keep growing. But we'll see. Maybe the Sooners can pull, uh, you know, if Gabriel plays, uh, you know, and they play better on defense. Like I said, this is still Texas. Very talented, no doubt. A lot of really good players in that roster, but Oklahoma has the middle edge in that game. And if they can, you know, if good things happen for Oklahoma early in this game, like if the Sooners had been up 28-7 to on Texas last year, that game would have been 100% over with. But Oklahoma needs, uh, Oklahoma needs some good things to happen early in the game. You know, if it turns out like last year where, boom, in the blink of an eye, it's 14 to nothing after the Xavier Worthy long touchdown catch and then the block punt for a touchdown, this team's in, you know, it ain't coming back. Caleb Williams isn't walking through that door. So we'll see. 405-651-3439. Maybe OU can run the veer, says one <laughs> listener in the 918. I don't know. Is any, is anybody even running the veer at any level anymore? I'm is sure Bill, one of the service academies still Bill, is. Bill Yeoman out there anywhere? <laughs> this listener says, I used to hoop it up with Jesse Crittenden at Northeastern State. Dude was a walking bucket. Really? We're going to have to wow, grill we, Jesse yeah, on this. we got to ask him. I had that. no idea wow. Jesse was How a about hooper. that? Okay. Uh, if you are Texas, why wouldn't you throw deep 20 times and take your chances? You have a 90% chance of a completion or a PI. I mean, yeah, if you watched the game film from TCU last week, you know Texas is going to be doing a lot of that. And to be honest, if you're Oklahoma, at this point, you got to be shading safeties over the top because can you trust your corners in man coverage downfield? Yeah. At this point, I don't think you can. No, no, no doubt. And Worthy's got great speed. We've seen that. Whittington is a bigger target. And Jatavion Sanders, the tight end again, I think it could be huge in this game uh, coming up on Saturday. My biggest issue thus far, BV doesn't play the best 11 athletes on either side of the ball. That's how you lose games. That comes from a listener in area code 720. I, here's the thing, though, and we've talked about this for months. It's not just about the best athletes in Brent Venable's defense. It's about the guys that are best equipped to execute their roles. And to be honest, it, like it, that's kind of why the discourse has become this week. That's kind of why I got on, here on Monday and said, look, nobody's executing well, so you might as well just put your best yeah, 11 I mean, athletes out there. DJ, I'm with DJ Graham and Woody Washington, and Woody Washington's supposed to be the Sooners' best corner. And, again, he's tackling receivers, you know. Uh, these are not uh, – that's why some people would like to see some of the young guys get a chance because, you know, a lot of these busts are being caused by players who've been around for a, for a while at OU, no doubt. Okay, uh, we are out of time for hour number one, but we'll get to as many texts as we can next hour as well. Thank you. Lasher Home Comfort Systems doing a great job in the metro area for 15 years now. They've done work for us at Shea Stadium. They've done a great job at a very fair price. Give them a call at 405-579-3113. 405-579-3113. Jesse Crittenden, more uh, Sooner Talk next hour. OU Texas, that's what we're doing. Keep it here.
Hour number two, sponsored by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. They'll give you a great deal on a car, truck, SUV, pre-owned vehicle. Great selection there, great people there, and the great guarantee of oil changes and engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, we've got another hour to go. And uh, the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line is busy as usual, 405-651-3439. Just got a text from a buddy. When do you think they'll announce the quarterback situation? They're not (laughs) going to announce it. You are going to find out about Dylan Gabriel if you see him come out in warm-ups with his helmet on Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. That's when you'll know. They're not going to announce it. It's not going to happen. Why would they? Why would they? You know, it might be, Parker, a complete ruse that Dylan Gabriel's out there in a blue jersey. No, I doubt they're going to do that, but, you know, it wouldn't totally shock me. Yeah, here's the thing. If it were a ruse, would they have moved practice indoors for the entire week? I, I don't think that, it is. That right Plus, there. That would also mean, though, if it were a ruse, they're not going to have him out there, you know, in, in under bright lights and everything because, you know, he, he would be – not hitting some of the baselines right now in this concussion protocol. So I don't think it is. Uh, 98% sure it's not. Now, does this mean he's going to play? It it tells me that it's it's a positive situation. If you saw the video last night and you saw, again, we've had videos uh, Monday and then yesterday, right? So I'm at 51% that he plays. I think like I'm increasingly confident that Dylan Gabriel is going to play because when you consider specifically that situation, the fact that Oklahoma has moved practice indoors, do you really give a crap about practicing outdoors if you if you don't want Texas to know whether you're starting Davis Bevel or General Booty at quarterback? No, but if you're trying to keep things under wraps with regard to your quarterback situation because you realize there's a very very good chance Dylan Gabriel is back on the field come Saturday. It makes a lot of sense why you would make sure that absolutely no eyes are seeing your practice sessions. Yeah, I'm with you. So it leads me to believe that he uh, there's a really good chance that he is going to play. Let me just announce, Canick will take 90% of the snaps out of the Wildcat. Are you people happy now? <laughs> I, I missed that announcement, but... Who knows? Austin in Savannah, Georgia, asks, what does punching Texas in the mouth look like in the first quarter? Running? Big shots? On a a very fundamental and baseline level, it means scoring first. You have got to score first if you're Oklahoma. You cannot dig yourselves a hole the likes of the hole that you dug a year ago because you don't have a team that's engineered to rally from that deficit. That was a Grand Canyon-sized hole that they managed to work their way out of. Thanks to Caleb Williams, Marvin Mims, Kennedy Brooks, Caleb Kelly, and again, a bunch of guys that had a bunch of wins over Texas. And there's still a lot of players on this roster that have a bunch of wins over Texas. But they're struggling with confidence right now, so I'm with you. It is a good start, and, you know, they talked about that last week. And right off the bat, third play from scrimmage, your best offensive player puts the ball on the ground, and uh, things got worse from there. So that's a good, uh, you know, and again, Texas feeling pretty confident, as you said, maybe even a little bit overconfident if you come out and you engineer a drive right down the field like they had, say, against – you know, uh, UTEP in game one, 
little doubt creeps in. The Sooners get some confidence. Yes, you need that. You need big plays to go your way early in the game. John and Morris says, I think a desperate Oklahoma team is a dangerous one. Don't count the Sooners out. OU 35, Texas 28. I mean, again, we, we talked about a couple crazy ones. Case McCoy beat Oklahoma in 2013. <laughs> that was a thing that happened. Jared Hurd and uh, what was Swoops' uh, Tyrone Swoops? Tyrone Swoops. Tyrone Swoops came in and engineered a victory in 2015 when you thought, yeah, there's no way Oklahoma can, can lose that game. To me, it's, it's very contingent. If Oklahoma's going to win, in my opinion, Dylan Gabriel has to play. I, I, I can't see a scenario unless – Kansas pulls an OU at T or Texas pulls an OU uh, TCU performance. I, I, it's hard to me imagine for me to imagine a way Oklahoma wins without Gabriel out there. It's impossible for me to imagine. Yeah, I mean it's, <laughs> Oklahoma wins without Gabriel out there. Yeah, impossible. You have got to have him in uniform Saturday if you want to have a chance at winning this football game. Like, and here's the thing, Steely. Am I the only one? That just wants a Dylan Gabriel Renaissance game at the Cotton yes, Bowl. Yes, I want. Like, no, no, you're not. I want one too because he seems like a great kid. He's been beat up. Look, he was playing G five. Now he's at the Power Five level. I don't think you know if he had a bad game at Central Florida, he wasn't hearing it because believe me, if you're an Oklahoma player, it got to Spencer Rattler last year. I don't think there's any doubt about it. These kids, I'm sure they try, and they're probably instructed, man, don't look at social media this week or any of that stuff. They can't help themselves. They know they're being talked about right now. Dylan Gabriel knows that. I would love to see him play well because I think he's a really good kid. He Obviously, his accuracy accuracy was billed as really good, you know, uh, during fall camp and last spring, but it, it hasn't been. It hasn't been. It has not been. Uh, <laughs> Worm Johnson says – if Steely pulls a Fortnite win today, OU wins big this weekend. <laughs> I'll try my best, Worm. I will try my very best. But those uh, those kids, they don't feel sorry for the elderly people in the end game. They just take them out. Shane in Newcastle says, just a friendly reminder that this game never goes how anyone thinks it will. And in general, Steely, and we kind of touched on this the last couple days, but I have learned to – especially the last two weeks have taught me that, uh, that adopting the mantra of things are never as good as you think they are and also never as bad as you think they are, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of validity to yeah, that. Yeah, no doubt. So is there a chance that we have written off Oklahoma too soon? Is there a chance that For what? This- for a winning, for like a... Oh, I'm just saying they lost to TCU, and granted it was a atrocious loss. Mm-hmm. It was an atrocious loss. They p- played terrible football on both sides. In no way did they deserve to win that football game. But it seems that all of a sudden, after that loss, everybody's expectations kind of diminished from ten and two, eleven and one to six and six, seven and five. Yeah, yeah, and some Is, worse are, than that. Some are like, they're not going to win another game this year. Are we being prisoners of the moment with takes like those? Yeah, to an extent, but, you know, I think what happened was, you know, I think we all kind of knew, man, Nebraska's really not good. I I still think they got some weapons on offense, but that team folded like a cheap accordion, man, and Oklahoma could have named their score. So we kind of knew that in the back of our mind, but we thought, yeah, but Oklahoma could have scored 140 if they wanted to. 
and they just killed that uh, the offense. And then K State, we 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 got to a point. Well, you know, those guys in purple are a tough matchup, and Adrian Martinez played the game of his life. And I, I do think that you know there was some concern. And then last week, I mean, it was just gasoline in the fire. What was a what was a what was a little bit of a fire after K State turned into a raging inferno based on what Sooner fans saw last week on uh, on the defensive side of the ball, especially. <laughs> this listener says, "If it takes a steely Fortnite win for OU to win, I will duo Q <laughs> with that man." Uh, Patrick says, "Onside kick to start the game." See, I think that's a little extreme. Are you in favor of going that crazy, going off the? Going off the rails I, I, in a crazy train. I would not onside kick to start the game. Uh, this listener says, Steel Man, I want to thank you for giving me a way to bond with my two teenage sons. I know I'm late to the party, but just found out this morning you live stream Fortnite. And, of course, this will allow me to bond with my kids. Thanks. For a minute, there I thought go. he was going to talk about uh, how listening to this show and witnessing our relationship <laughs> that helps was us it. bond with his two teenagers. <laughs> uh, you got the well, you got Generation Z and you got the Silent Generation represented on the same show. You know, and look, I'm an old man. I've always been a, a gamer, and uh, so I thought, you know, I'm going to stream live stream on Twitch, and we play games mainly Fortnite. But when the Tiger, the new PGA Tour game 2K23 comes out next week, we'll be playing. As Tiger out on the golf course, and in the meantime, we talk OU football, college football too. Do some giveaways. It's it's just a, it's, I think it's a fun time. By the way, happy birthday to my mom if she's listening. I need to call her later. Happy I, birthday, Mrs. Thune. I won't tell you happy how old birthday, she is, Steely, because Mrs. it'll make you feel really old. Happy but birthday. What's your mom's first name? Lee. Lee Thune. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. I'm gonna say. Lee Thune today, let's see, you're 22? 23. 23. Lee Thune is 46 years old. I'm not going to tell you the answer. What? Well, she she probably wouldn't like it if I told you the answer okay. and told everybody across the state of Oklahoma how old she is. But, yes, uh, it is her birthday. I'm going to call her later. Haven't done that yet. Need to. Uh, by the way. Breaking news nine minutes ago per ESPN's Pete Thamel. Quinn Ewers will return this Saturday. Really? Surprise, surprise, surprise. What we had kind of expected throughout the week is now official. Ewers is going to be back in action for Texas. The only thing that remains unclear is whether or not Dylan Gabriel. And again, I don't think you'll hear anything on a starter there, too. You know, it's going to be the same thing as as Dylan Gabriel. Wait, Steel Man streams Fortnite. Yes, on Twitch. And it's M Steel Man. M Steel Man on Twitch. And we talk, we'll talk a lot about OU Texas today, too, and have some OU Texas sound. And it's kind of a variety stream with gaming. Uh, this listener, okay, an important technical football question here. Can you call for a fair catch on an onside kick when you know it's coming in hopes of catch interference? Yes but only if the kick remains in the air the entire time. So if the kick bounces, mm-hmm. you can't call for a fair catch at that point. The second after it, it bounces, the ground, after it hits the ground. After it hits the ground, you can't call for a fair catch. So, so in so other words, it hits the ground and it bounds way up in the air, can't you still can't you can't call for the fair catch. No. no. But uh, Bryson Washington actually did this 
I, I who did they play last year? It was a home game. It was early in the season. Heck, it might have been Western Carolina, or maybe it was West Virginia. I don't remember. I just remember there was a night home game last year where Bryson Washington called for a fair catch on a surprise onside kick, and it was granted to him because the kicker put the ball in the air as Mm -hmm. opposed to bouncing it off the ground first. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. Uh, Gunny of Stutzman Army says it would be more applicable on a pooch kick for the fair catch. You yeah. know what I want to see? I want to see a drop kick. I want to see <laughs> drop kick. Yes, I want to see Davis Bevel. You know, just drop back, and if they've got Pull a fourth a and one, you just drop kick it, man. Wes Welker drop kicked it one time too. He did. Yeah. What's the most? Okay, I know uh, Michael Dixon, Texas grad, Seahawks punter, was kicking off for a while when the Seahawks had kicker issues. He was kicking off via the drop kick, but. I know for a fact that the last successful drop kick that has been converted in the NFL, you got to go back to 2005 and Doug Flutie. I don't know how long it's been since anybody did that in college football. You think Davis Bevel's trying the drop kick this weekend? I mean, they're saying pull out everything crazy. <laughs> I mean, somebody's calling that's for a, the fumble. I think that's Who a... should run the fumble rooski, by the way? They're calling for the fumble rooski, too. Oh, Braden Willis. Braden Willis absolutely is the one to run the fumble rooski. But yeah. uh, having Davis Bevel drop kick crosses the line from crazy to asinine. <laughs> so I'm going to say it's a hard no on that one. Asinine is worse than crazy is what you're saying. Yes, I get it. All right, we got a break right here. See, this is a good positive song right here, Jimmy E. World. Here we go. Don't count yourself out. Don't do it. It's only a seven-point spread. Be right back. All right, we're back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune. Well afternoon into the 1 o'clock hour, presented by the uh, Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72, great selection there. Cars, trucks, SUVs, pre-owned vehicles, a huge selection there, and a great guarantee after the sale. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at zero additional cost to you. That is a guarantee right there. All right, we've got Jesse Crittenden uh, coming up. And uh, that's going to be happening in the next segment on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Um, Dylan Gabriel, you know, there's, uh, you know, news out there. Quinn Ewers going to be back for OU Texas, expected to start, uh, you would think, over Hudson Card in this game coming up this weekend. No way Oklahoma announces who's going to be starting. You'll find that out, I would think, in pregame warm-ups on Saturday morning down in the Cotton Bowl. Okay, um, should Oklahoma, even with Dylan Gabriel, if he comes back in place, you think the Sooners should slow down the offense still a little bit? Well, if possible, you have to establish the pace and establish the momentum in the early stage of the game if that's to happen, right? If Texas scores on their first possession, you can't do that anymore. 
You can't. So, to me, it's imperative that Oklahoma scores first in this football game. If they don't score first, they're going to have to keep up. And if they're going to keep up, it means, like it or not, Dylan Gabriel's going to have to cut loose. That's just the reality. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, uh, normally the team that runs the football most effectively in this game wins the football game, the more physical football team. I mean, that's true in just about any football game. But, you know, certainly in the OU Texas series, Eric Gray should be back. We think Marcus Major should be back, ready to go. Uh, Javante Barnes had a heck of a game. He's a good young back, so you've got a three-back rotation there. As long as you can block those guys up front. I think the offensive line's been – you know, they've they've had, you know, uh, the Kent State game was interesting. They were very plain vanilla, uh, particularly in the first half. But I think the offensive line's starting to come together, uh, and they can probably block Texas. Maybe not on every play. Obviously, you're not going to. But do you think Oklahoma can – look, you can't just be one-dimensional and just run the football like 60 times in this game. But do you think the Sooners can – uh, you know, maybe even slow the game down a little bit by running the football effectively. They're going to have to run the football effectively one way or another. That's a given. And it's probably not a situation where you're going to win a football game because Dylan Gabriel throws for 500 yards. Would you love to see that? Sure. But is that particularly realistic? No, I don't think so. You're going to have to get Eric Gray going, assuming he plays. You're going to have to get Javante Barnes involved. I think, on the heels of his performance Saturday day against TCU because he was arguably <laughs> the only player that actually played a good football game last Saturday. So with him riding that wave of momentum, uh, you'd like to see him get a little bit more involved in the offense going forward, and that could start this weekend. Marcus Major's on trend to return as well. He's on track to do so. But one way or another, man, I think you have to get Javante Barnes more involved in the offense because – that's a special talent in waiting. No doubt. No doubt about it. All right, back to the Air Comfort Solutions text uh, line. By the way, I have some regrettable news oh, no. to pass along to what? the KREF Army. Oh, no. Wait, you're smiling, though, so it can't be, like, really bad. No, I'm not smiling. You're not? I'm not smiling. This Smirking. Is the, this is the opposite of a smile, Steely. Okay. This is the face of discontentment and disenfranchisement. Is this bad recruiting news? No, it's not bad recruiting okay. news. But for those that believe in the curse of the White Buffalo, the unfortunate news of the day is that I was on I was on the phone with my father yesterday. And of course, uh, I'd left the Taurus in his care. No, it's coming back. Uh-oh. Okay, go ahead. I'd left the Taurus in his care after I purchased the White Buffalo over the weekend of the Nebraska game. Come to find out, the Taurus has been sold. The Taurus is gone. So you are all in with the Tonka now. The Taurus is not coming back. And again, I, I was Is that dis- a metaphor for the OU season? I hope not, Steely. I was displeased to learn this. That's the first and only car up until about three weeks ago that I'd ever owned. Ladies and I, gentlemen, I was not aware. I'm seeing a couple tears. I'm seeing a couple. There's no crying in radio. There are a couple tears being shed. Listen, K Ref Army, tweet your disapproval using the hashtag Taurus Tribe at my father. Please and thank you. <laughs> uh, and again, how many years that, together? Hope that the Drake Dyke and Doom holds stronger than the curse of the White Buffalo.
because I'm riding with OU this week. Drake has Texas. Sark bought the damn Taurus, says Shane the Train in Newcastle. <laughs> Kyle and Broken Bow says there's probably a Texas fan driving into Dallas right now. Appreciate it. Yeah, probably. The 918 with a bold prediction on the Air Covered Solutions text line. Nick Evers is this year's Caleb Williams. Hmm. I I'm gonna say no on that. And it's not because I don't like what Nick Evers brings to the mm, table, because yeah. I do. Yeah. He's got a ton of arm talent, but I'm sorry, the guy is not gonna come into the game and do what Caleb Williams did last year. Because there's one quarterback in America who could do the things that Caleb Williams did last year, and that is Caleb Williams. That dude's special. And, look, Nick Evers is not the type of guy – you think about how things got kick-started for Oklahoma last year. Mm-hmm. It was a 66-yard touchdown run on fourth and one by Caleb Williams. Yep. That's just not something that Nick Evers is going to do. He's going to beat you. It's going to be with his arm. Not that he's immobile, but by no means is he the type of true dual-threat guy – that Caleb Williams is in the sense that if you get him one-on-one in the open field, he can make you miss and he can make a house call. That's just not Nick Evers' game. He'll hurt you with his feet. He's very much like Dylan Gabriel in that sense, right? We saw Dylan Gabriel come up with a 61-yard touchdown run against Nebraska, which is great. You love to see that from your starting quarterback, mm-hmm. but it's not he's not going to make a habit of doing that. Right. Ewers just announced as the starter, or am I late? LOL. Well, the word is that uh, it's official that, yes, he's back. He will play this weekend. Expected to start. He's going to start. Bottom line, he's going to start. Brian in Tulsa says, wait, what if we needed this? What if the white buffalo wasn't working due to the fact that the Taurus was still in the picture? Now that the Taurus is gone, the white buffalo can give off good juju now. Just a theory. Not really on board with that theory, Brian. I'm sorry. Oh, you might be screwed. I'm just letting you all know now. Again, hashtag Taurus Tribe. Tweet your disapproval. I do think that uh, Vegas has Drake Dyke and Doom as a slight favorite over the White Buffalo Curse this I, weekend, though. You, you better hope so, Sealy. This listener says, I can guarantee a few things in this game. The wife and I will be hammered, holding horns down, and yelling Texas sucks, even if we are down by 40 in the fourth quarter. Ain't no bad season getting our daubers down. I haven't heard anybody talk about their daubers being down in a while. What is a dauber? I have no idea. You're not going to get your dauber down. Am I not old enough to know what that is? You know, your hopes are, I guess, the dauber. I don't know. But make sure, sir, that you have a designated driver, of course. And I'm sure that you do, but be very careful. Shane said Sark bought the Taurus as an NIL deal for Hudson Card. Another said, Parker just put the new dark ages of the Blake years on us with the curse of the white buffalo. You know what is really tough, though, for OU fans? Any loss to Texas, but walking around the fair afterwards is not fun. Just getting to your car and leaving, and a lot of OU fans, because it's a rooster kickoff, will go straight home or go to the hotel, pack up, and get out of there. I mean, that is a, that's a great feel. OU Texas Friday night is awesome. I've been to 31, I think it's total as I was counting it. But um, anyway, that Saturday loss to your arch rival 
I mean, you know, you could have the sorrow drowners. Uh, that's that's a, a situation you can find yourself in. But that OU Texas, if you win, going back to the hotel, and you know that that's a fun a fun night. One more question from the text line before we hit a break. Parker, interest in the Notre Dame defensive lineman that is transferring Jacob Lacey. And look, I, I'm sorry, listener, I don't mean to make an example of you, but right up alongside with how does XYZ affect recruiting, this is the most insufferable question for somebody like me that exists. Does Oklahoma have interest in XYZ player that just hit the transfer portal? Right now, I can tell you OU is not looking for anybody. Oh, Because... They're looking for answers right now. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for for how they fix the team in 2022, not how they build up the roster for 2023. So I will not have a clear answer to that question or clear answers to questions on any transfers until at the earliest December. Ladies and gentlemen, it's us, Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Jesse Crittenden covering the Sooners for the Norman Transcript, doing a great job. He will join us next on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, 405-329-9000. We're coming right back here on the Ref. Jesse Crittenden joins us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline back here on Steelman and Thune. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, good to have you along on this Thursday. Jesse, we're all searching for answers. Have you come up with an answer as to what has happened to the Oklahoma football team the last two weeks? I, I think it's it's hard to it's hard to put it down into one answer, but I just in a lot of ways, it seems like this team has just been, just hasn't been on the same page, particularly defensively. I, I think if you if you look back at that, you know, the, the performances against Kansas State and TCU both weren't great, but they but they were both different. They were both different kinds of losses. And and against TCU, it's just those big explosive plays the defense gave up. Uh, that you know, actually, if you, if you watch that film, particularly in the first half, there were moments where the OU defense was able to stop TCU. But on those on those big explosive plays, it just it looks like not everybody's on the same page. So I, I think uh, whether that's communication issues, whether that's a lack of focus, whatever it is, it just at, you know at the end of it, it just seems like they haven't been on the same page on the field. Jesse, I feel as though we've somewhat buried the lead here because last hour we had a listener on the Air Comfort Solutions text line say that he used to, quote, hoop it up with you and that you were, quote, a walking bucket. So I feel Mm -hmm. as though we need some autobiographical (laughs) backdrop for your athletic exploits here. Do you mind mind if I ask who that was? I'm I'm curious. We have no idea. Ah, shoot. Okay, well... Uh, walking bucket is a uh, that might be a little too generous. I was I was a decent basketball player in high school at uh, 
at uh, Stillwell High School, the strawberry capital of the world in the northeast part of the state. Uh, we were I, I was a role player that was able to, you know, I, I was able to rebound and play some defense okay, and that was enough to, to give me some playing time on a couple teams that made the state tournament. So w- Walking Bucket is a is – a, uh, it's very generous. I appreciate them saying that, but I don't know if I'd go that far. I don't know. I'm looking at NBADraft.net right now, and it says uh, Victor Wambanyama one. Scoot Henderson two, Jesse Crittenden three. Shoot, I'm not sure if there's a, if there's a big need in the NBA for a, a six two uh, center, which is what <laughs> I was in high school. So, uh, but I, but I appreciate it. All right, uh, what do you, what are we thinking on Dylan Gabriel? You saw the Zapruder video, I'm sure, like everybody else, and uh, Dylan Gabriel was in, uh, unless it was somebody else who looks a lot like him wearing the same number. Dylan Gabriel was in a blue jersey uh, last night. So are, are you feeling like all these signs are pointing to him playing this football game Saturday? Could it be any I, – I, I don't think you get involved in gamesmanship with a kid who's in concussion protocol. What are you thinking? No, that's, that's kind of the tough thing is it's, you know, with, with some injuries, I think you can play some gamesmanship, kind of like you said. But with, with concussions, it's just a different thing. There's a – there is a procedure. There are protocols. You have to pass certain tests that are different than other injuries. But I, I, my feeling has been that, you know, I have been a little pessimistic uh, that Dylan Gabriel will play. But I don't I, – I have never thought it was out of the question. And obviously there's been a couple of videos that have showed um, he's at least been on the field or on the practice field, you know, going through some drills, going through some individual stuff. So – you know, I, I think it's really hard to say, especially with some of the added, you know, not pressure, but, you know, emphasis around what concussion protocols, what all goes into that. But I definitely don't think it's it's completely out of the question that he plays this weekend. Now, if he doesn't play this weekend, Jesse, is there any path to victory for Oklahoma, save for going full bounty gate, Aaron Williams on Sam Bradford in 2009 and trying to destroy Quinn Ewer's shoulder a second time? <laughs> Uh, that's, you know, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I think regardless of if, if Dylan Gabriel plays, the, the defense is just simply going to have to be uh, a lot better than they were against TCU and against Kansas state. So uh, while, uh, completely understand, you know, the anxiety about whether Dylan, Dylan Gabriel plays cause the quarter, cause the offense had its own issues against TCU, but simply put, if the defense is going to play, uh, you know, like, like it did against TCU, or at least surrender the kind of big plays they did. It almost doesn't matter who plays at quarterback. So I think more than anything, that's going to be the first focus is looking at the defensive side of the ball, limiting explosive plays, and trying to get some pressure in the backfield, which the defensive line just hasn't been able to do the last couple of weeks. Jesse Crittenden, our guest on the uh, Riverwind Casino Hotline here on uh, the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, so – after the Nebraska game, you know, we start hearing and, you know, I, uh, raising my hand as well, man, this team's maybe better than we thought. Some people are saying, you know, maybe Oklahoma could actually, you know, be a playoff team. They, maybe they could be a playoff team. And now two weeks later, you've got people going, can Oklahoma win another football game? I've never seen a flip like this over a two-game span uh, covering Oklahoma that I can remember. How do you think Brent is dealing with this? He got some, you know, towards the end of his tenure at OU, he got some criticism from the fan base. I'm sure at Clemson when they, 
didn't play well. He got criticism from the fan base. But it's different when you're the head coach and all of a sudden, you know, it goes this bad the last two weeks. How do you think he's handling it? Have you noticed much different in the press conference? No, I, I will say that, I mean, his his press conference on Tuesday, he, he had a little bit different of a, a demeanor than he has in past weeks. I think um, I, I do think he has some some frustrations, and I think he's I think he's trying to figure things out right now. Whether that's you know how how involved to be with the defense, obviously he is involved, but you know I I think he does have some questions about whether you know he needs to get more involved and what that involvement even looks like, and even offensively, how how involved does he need to get? I mean, do, is, does there need to be any tinkering with? practice schedules with game day procedures i mean that is the thing is it's not about questioning whether brent venables can do the job but it's just like any other you know first time head coach there's going to be things you kind of have to learn on the job that you, you can't really learn during the off season so yeah I, I think if you look at these last couple of weeks i mean i think the thing that's been different is obviously it's rare when oklahoma loses but the way they've lost i think has been so shocking so yeah i i think i think he always kind of knew that there was going to need to be some patience, but I think even he's a little shocked at how last game went. So I think, I think he's kind of have, he's kind of have to figure out how best to lead this team at a time where, uh, like you mentioned, that it's the, the script has flipped so greatly in the last couple of weeks and especially heading into the OU Texas weekend. So I do think there's a lot of questions on his plate and a lot of things he's He's got to figure out and doesn't have a ton of time to do so. Who's the X factor in this football game for Oklahoma, Jesse? The guy that maybe a guy whose name hasn't been thrown around a whole heck of a lot leading up to this contest, but a guy who by virtue of his individual performance could contribute in a very meaningful way towards the Sooners being able to come out with a victory. Again, I'm looking at the defense, and to me it's got to start on the defensive line, specifically with Reggie Grimes. A guy that uh, really stood out through the first three weeks with, I mean, not only, you know, continued pressure in the backfield, but getting sacks, getting tackles for loss. He he really just hasn't had that big of an impact the last two weeks. Um, Hasn't had a sack. uh, And and that goes for the whole defensive line. So I think, again, while there are some questions on on the offensive side of the ball, the defense has to play much better. And I think that's got to start with getting pressure in the backfield. And, and while I think it was unrealistic to expect that Reggie Grimes was going to, you know, finish the year with 25 sacks, it was, you know, I think that's what he was on pace for. But at the same time, I, they really need him as a leader on this defense and as a guy that really showed out the first three weeks. They really need him to make an impact uh, against Texas. They really need him to not only be disruptive uh, in the run game, but they need him to get pressure on the quarterback. So that, I think that would be, you know, the first name I would think of. Jesse, good stuff. Thank you so much. We will talk again soon. I appreciate you guys having me on. Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript Sports Editor, covering uh, the Sooners. Riverwind Casino, we got some new, really cool, monstrous promotions for October, like the Monster Money Mash. You can win $500 in bonus play from now uh, until uh, the end of October. Keep using that wild card and racking up points. Then also... Get out there on October 28th from 6 to 10 p.m. Patrons who are wearing a Halloween costume can register to receive a ticket for an entry into the Monster Mash of money drawing. 
the Monster Money Mash drawing. At approximately 10.15 p.m., three winners are going to be picked to win $500 in bonus play each. That's part of a great October promotion at Riverwind Casino, the Monster Money Mash, October 28th. And don't forget, November 18th, Bedlam Beats and Bites, Wade Bowen, the Eli Young Band. Tickets at Riverwind.com. They're only 5 bucks a piece. We'll be right back. All right, final segment uh, for Steelman and Thune. You're going to get locked in at the top of the hour. The spread, it is, it's rising. Nine and a half now. Texas favored over Oklahoma. That with the Quinn Ewers news that he's going to play and is expected to start against uh, Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. No surprise there, right? I mean, no surprise. Quinn Ewers, how much do we know about Quinn Ewers? We know that he was a very highly touted five-star who skipped a senior year of high school for NIL dollars, went to Ohio State, didn't play much. C.J. Stroud's a pretty good quarterback, and uh, now he's back at Texas. And, you know, do I think he's a, he threw the ball well against Alabama. There's no doubts. But we still have a very small sample size, right, of Quinn Ewers. We don't know if he's totally the real deal. And if that game had happened against, obviously, Boston College or somebody else, then uh, – because that's that's a big line movement. <laughs> yes, it is. Two and a half points Absolutely. that quickly. I mean, again, that's uh, – you know, and he might end up being a star at Texas. We'll see. But that he's living off a of Bama reputation right now because he played very well and did look like the real deal and didn't look like he was that uh, – you know, scared of playing against Big Bad Alabama in that game. Somebody says, we know Ewers rhymes with sewers. That's right. Exactly right. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, recruits this weekend, you talked about, you know, it's a weird deal. You can't say anything. You know, you can't – not like you can engage with the recruits. It's kind of like you wave and say, hey, uh-huh. have fun, you know, or whatever. But I still have people even asking me, I can only imagine, you know, what happens if OU keeps losing? Will they lose? Uh, you know, that people think that OU is going to end up going from like the, the sixth-ranked class to the 96th-ranked class all of a sudden. Yeah, which, hey, look, we've, we've had this conversation before, but I'll take the conversation I had a couple nights ago with P.J. Atabari as a perfect example. The kids, like, people, people ask me all the time, What's going on with OU? And I tell them, like, look, what do you want me to do? Go out there and suit up for them right now? I can't. I'm not on the team yet. But basically what PJ said is, what he communicated in so many words is, look, when we get there, things are going to change. That's our job is to change things when we get there. Until then, there's not a whole heck of a lot we can do. 
Yeah, and, and you know, you've got to uh, – uh, that's the way you have to look at it, man. I can play, and I'm better than what they're throwing out there right now. I'm coming to Oklahoma. So, again, let's see how things play out this weekend. This is a – I mean, OU Texas is always gigantic, of course. But it feels like a just the, the biggest game of the Steve Sarkeesian era and the – Biggest game of the early Brent Venables era, which we're five games in. But for Sark, he really doesn't have a signature victory. They only got five last year, didn't go bowling, home loss to Kansas, you know, all of that stuff. It fell apart. They lost six games in a row after giving up the huge comeback to Oklahoma. For Brent, again, um, you know, he, he needs to right the ship. He needs something good to happen. Uh, and a one over Texas is the perfect remedy right there, you know, this weekend. But for Sark, this feels like a, uh, you know, just a gigantic game as well. Like I said, is there a signature win for Steve Sarkeesian right now? And this could be it coming up this weekend. Uh, if they His signature to... win is a moral victory. Yeah, well, the, the, yeah, which was the Alabama game. Yeah, that's right. Good point. Um and this series can go sometimes you get in these um, streaks. You know, Oklahoma's won six of seven. They've been the dominant team for a while. But, you know, Bud Wilkinson started losing to Texas when one of his former players took over, Daryl Royal. Didn't go well. Barry Switzer won his fair share against Texas. If you don't beat Texas, Gary Gibbs, you know, and other coaches uh, who – don't win a bunch against Texas, they don't last that long. Now, Brent needs time, obviously, a lot of time. Um, you know, but, man, it would be huge. I mean, it would be huge for either team a win, you know, or a loss could – for Texas, they definitely could submarine again. Mm-hmm. For Oklahoma, with this team, particularly if they play badly, it could be the same deal. Yeah, and that's what you worry about is do they have the mental fortitude to get this thing back on track – Right now, sure, that's enough of a question as is, but suppose you lose to Texas on Saturday. It becomes all the more of a question. Do you have the mental fortitude to pick yourself up and make the executive decision that, hey, we're not going to let this season spiral out of control on us? Yeah, and look, I I don't want to be overly dramatic, but this, is, this could be a program-changing win for the directions of either program right now, you know. Now, if this is a hard-fought game and, and Texas wins by three and the Sooners play well or whatever, or the other thing, maybe it's not devastating. And I, I, Look, it's way too early again in Brent's tenure to start 100% panicking. But particularly for Sark, this is gigantic. I mean, this is really big. Um, and I hope, obviously, that things don't work out for Sark, even though I kind of like Sark. Sark is a lot more likable than his predecessors. Oh, my gosh. That Tom is... Herman, that guy. Jeez. That's the dude. His like, name's still getting thrown around in head coaching yeah. conversations. Tom is coming over this weekend to the Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. That, like the one guy that's coming to, this, to your party, you're thinking, who invited him? Why? The guy that goes through all the dip in the span of, like, ten chips. And he double dips, too. Just like George. He double dips. There's no doubt about it. Tom Herman is a double dipper. That probably is a really bad meaning on Urban Dictionary. I apologize. <laughs> All right. We got to get out. Gee, y'all here? Well, it wouldn't be that. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Thank you, Riverwind Casino. Thank you for all the texts. Locked in. Coming up next here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the ref.